Good morning. You know, it is interesting here. We are now in week three of looking at the fruit of the Spirit, and we have now done love, joy, and now peace. Many believe that this is a triad that would have been a a common uh, triad that Christians would have shared with one another in the first century. Uh, Three very crucial things, love, joy, and peace. And let's be honest about it, so far we haven't hit an easy one. Uh, We've certainly been talking about glorious things, things we aspire to, things that we want to be true in our lives and through our lives to others, uh, to know God's love and to love others, uh, to experience joy regardless of the circumstances. And certainly, I think it is all of our desire to know peace in a deep and meaningful way. But as I come to this topic, it's interesting because by now, my level of conviction has grown to overwhelming proportions Uh, because week after week, I look at the Word and look at how I'm supposed to experience and express love and joy and now peace. And I got to tell you, my scorecard is really low uh, at this point in time. And so it begins to mount up. And uh, as we have said, as we've looked at these passages, we need to be careful not to despair, but to repent and look to God for the strength to see these fruit manifested in our lives. That's why they're called the fruit of the Spirit and not the fruit of your own effort, right? It's called the fruit of the Spirit. But when I come to peace, I feel a little bit like a movie I watched many years ago in my rebellious youth. I watched a movie and in it there was a scene uh, of great mayhem and it caused a stampede in a crowd and there was one individual that was supposed to be keeping control of the crowd and he was standing there with his little sign uh, that uh, said stop and uh, he was saying all is well remain calm as the stampede comes across and eventually you see that individual with his little stop sign completely flattened by the crowd. And if you know what that movie is, shame on you. Just side note. (laughs) There are four of you that know what I'm referring to. But anyway, that's the way I feel. I feel like I'm up here and I'm saying peace. Let's think about peace. Let's have peace in our life. Let's express peace. And to be honest, we kind of feel like doing that is, is risking getting run over by the circumstances in our life or by the world in which we live, or perhaps a more sanctified illustration, uh, I feel a little bit like Jeremiah writes in Jeremiah 6.14, the Lord through Jeremiah said, there are people, prophets, who are prophesying and they are poor physicians, for they are saying, peace, peace, and there is no peace. And there, of course, uh, God is talking about prophets who were uh, giving testimony to things God did not give them. And they were saying things were going to be okay. God was not going to bring uh, judgment to the people of God, but he, but he was, and so they weren't helping people. And so sometimes we can come to a topic like peace, and we can be somewhat overwhelmed by it, but I don't want us to be. I don't know. I hope I'm not the only person who could use a more substantial experience of peace in their lives, that I could wake up in the morning and I'm not anxious about the things that are ahead of me, or I could go to bed at night and actually go to sleep. Because my mind is not filled with the worries and anxieties, you know, of the day, of the week, or of those that I love. I want to be able to be okay with God, with others, uh, with myself. And so I want us to look at what it would look like if the Spirit is growing peace in our lives. So we're going to look at it under three headings, very simple. We're going to look at the importance of peace with God. 
We're going to talk about the importance of peace with others. And lastly, we're going to talk about how to experience not peace with God, but the peace of God. So peace with God, peace with others, and the peace of God. Now, in this service, because uh, we knew the theme was peace, you've already heard many of the verses that we'll be referring to. And that's great, because hopefully that repetition will press it down into your mind and to your heart so that you can meditate it, uh, meditate on it as you move from here uh, today and the rest of the week. But first, let's consider this idea of peace with God. I love uh, Romans uh, 5, uh, verse 1, which Don read in the assurance of pardon already in this service. It says, therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Let's just stop there for a second. What Paul is saying over there in Romans chapter 5 is there is a way to have peace with God, but it's not in your own efforts. It's not by being good enough or nice enough or by performing enough deeds. It's not by being clean enough or dressing well enough. It is only possible through the work of Jesus Christ for you. Notice, we have been justified by faith. That's why we have peace with God. Why is that so important? I think so often people who have exposure to the church, they hear those kinds of principles and they say, yeah, 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 I have faith and that's all good and that's the start of it. But the problem is that sometimes we acknowledge that up in our head, but it doesn't get pressed down to our hearts. That justification by faith that gives us peace with God is not something that we experience once in our life, but it is the beginning of an experience that we have all of our life. And that we will have for all eternity. In other words, I think too often, uh, and I fall into this as well, we think, well, God probably wasn't particularly happy with us. You know, before I became a Christian, uh, before I knew who Jesus was, God was more like that God in the Old Testament. You know, the, the thunder and the lightning and the smoke on top of the mountain. You know, that if you got too close, you would be killed. You know, or he, he was like that, you know, the God of the Old Testament that if you carried the Ark of the Covenant wrong, you'd, you'd be struck dead. And we say, well, yeah, I get that. I get that. God is holy and he's just. And at, at times he's scary, you know, and I, and I want to be right with him. You know, in other words, if, if I walk into a classroom or, or work or uh, prison and uh, I'm immediately going to look for the, really, nobody? Okay, well, maybe you've had this experience. Uh, and you walk in and you find the biggest, toughest person and you're saying, I want to get along with that person. Because if I get along with that person, I'll be okay. I'll be okay at school or work or prison or whatever you've experienced. And... Um, and that's good. I appreciate it. Everybody's welcome here. If that's your experience, come up and talk to me about it afterwards. That's super. Uh, but nonetheless, I think we think of God that way. And, they say, and we think to ourselves, well, I just need to make sure I'm okay with the big man. I'm, I'm okay with this, the strongest, most infinite, most glorious being in all the universe. I need to make sure he and I are okay. And so I need to make sure I sign the card or raise my hand or walk the aisle or, or, or say the prayer, or do whatever it is I need to do. And then I am justified because I've put my trust in Jesus Christ and what he's done. And now I have peace with God. But I think then we live like, but that was only temporary. Do you, do you ever live that way? Like you have put your trust in Jesus. You have learned that God in his love and grace has become a man who lived a perfect life. That he died on a cross not because he had done anything wrong, but to take the place of people like me who had done everything wrong and rebelled against God. He had rose from the dead on the third day to show that if I believe in him, I can actually become a child of God and have peace with him. And we take that and say, yeah, I did that. I did that when I was 12. 
And we don't realize that because we are now in Christ through faith, God will never be angry with us again. His anger and wrath was completely poured out upon Jesus on the cross. But instead, we act like, well, that was a good start. That got me back to neutral. But God's not, you know, God might not be happy with how I'm doing today. No, that's why we have to understand it. That's why I love what Paul says. Let's continue reading there in Romans chapter 5. He says, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Through him, we have obtained access by faith into this grace in which we stand, not stood, and we rejoice, there's joy from last week, in the hope and glory of God. Not only that, but we rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance, and endurance produces character, and character produces hope, and hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit, whom he has given to us. I love that. What is Paul saying? When you understand what Jesus has done for you and your trust is in him, you have not just a temporal peace, but you have a peace even when everything around you is hitting the fan. Even when everything is going wrong. Even when your life is more characterized by suffering than well-being, God still loves you. And you are right with him because of what Christ has done for you. Why? Well, I love the way Isaiah 53 says it. We looked at this this summer, but why not read it again? Isaiah 53, verse 5 and 6. He was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was a chastisement that brought us peace. And with his wounds, we are healed. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. Why do we experience peace with God? Because the suffering servant, Jesus Christ, endured the opposite of peace on the cross. On the cross, Jesus bore amnity, judgment, suffering, so that we could enjoy peace, not just now, but for all eternity with God. You see, that's not just something in the past. When I wake up in the morning and those worries have jumped on me from the time I come to consciousness and it's always unfortunate when it's like two hours earlier than you plan to get up, right? Does that ever happen to y'all? Y'all are here today, right? Okay. It happens to me. I wake up, I look over, it's four o'clock in the morning and I'm like, I'm not in the military. Why am I up at four in the morning? You know? And it's usually because something's rolling around in my mind. It's bugging me. I don't know what to do about it. And you know what's funny is too often, instead of starting and saying, wait a second, Chris, you know that God loves you because of Jesus. Not because you did that right or that you're going to do that okay or that that plan's going to work out. He loves you just because of Jesus. He loves you no matter what. He loves you no matter how today goes or how that circumstance works out. He just loves you. Instead, I start making my plans and I start thinking how I'm going to make everything okay without ever recognizing that I am okay. I'm okay because I am at peace with God through the work of Jesus Christ. And it's not just in the morning, but all day long. We have to remember this truth. We have to apply the gospel to our heart. I love that you've heard us say it many times. We say it in the new member class here. We have to get better at not listening to ourselves, but speaking to ourselves. 
telling ourselves the truth of the gospel, that I don't do anything to be right with God, but he has done it all through Jesus. What a great encouragement that is. Do you have peace with God? It is the gift of the Holy Spirit to enable us to see our need for it. It is the gift of the Holy Spirit to enable us to see the beauty and the offer of Jesus Christ. It is the gift of the Spirit for us to continue to cling to him. It's no wonder Paul says that it's a fruit of the Spirit to have peace in your life. The ongoing work of the Spirit reminds us of what's true. God loves you. He loves you through Jesus Christ. Do you have peace with God? Well, our goal is that you will. But I also want you to have peace with one another. As we uh, actually confessed, if you were uh, thinking about the words we were confessing earlier in in this uh, service, you would notice that we actually used words from Galatians chapter 5. And we talked about how in that confession that we're actually more guilty of what's described here as the works of the flesh. Uh, Picking up in verse 20 of Galatians 5, of enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envies. Those are all lack of peace with other people. That's instead of looking at other people and saying, how do we get along? It's looking at other people and saying, you are in my way. You are in my way. You are keeping me from getting what I want. You are annoying to me. You are on my last nerve. That's what creates those works of the flesh. Now, uh, I don't know about you. I was talking to Karen on the way to uh, church today, and, and no offense to my family who has visited me recently, but I've become aware over the last couple of weeks with having family visiting that it's easy for Karen and I, all by ourselves as empty nesters, to talk about peace because we're not around much family. Um, <laughs> Sorry, it's just the deal, right? It's just the deal. And I thought, you know, sitting in this congregation are a bunch of people who have to live with their family every day. I mean, (laughs) you you do have to eat later, Kyle. (laughs) And it's a little more challenging, right? You know, when you've got kids that don't exactly do what you want or parents that don't listen to wisdom no matter how many times you say it or that sibling that seems to hang out at your house far more than they probably should or, or whether it's that spouse who you just can't figure out why they can't get it together or, or whatever, you know, it is funny that people test our ability to enjoy peace, don't they? I think some of us would be like, you know what? You know, I would be okay if, uh, if I was just all by myself. Your favorite song is Simon and Garfunkel's old number. I am a rock, I am an island. Wouldn't, wouldn't like, it's a, isn't that the most depressing song? You know, if you listen to Simon and, and Garfunkel like weekly, we can refer you to counselors uh, that can help you, just, just saying. But uh, nonetheless, uh, so that's the thing. We live with people, but peace that the Spirit is working in us is not just enjoying peace with God, even though that's the primary thing we need to focus on, but it's also having peace with one another. The Apostle Paul, when he's writing to this church in Galatia, he wants these people to get along. 
because this church is arguing because they've been influenced by people who've come in and said, you know what, faith in Jesus is a good start, but now you have to do all of this work. Now you have to check all these boxes. Now you have to look, sound, smell like these people over here or else you're not a real Christian. And Paul says, no, that's nonsense. That's actually not the gospel. That is something that should be condemned. And we've been looking at that as we've looked through the book of Galatians. And what does Paul want? He wants people believing the truth and doing it together. He wants them to be united. Why? Because he knows this little church in Galatia is standing against a tidal wave of people who hate the good news of Jesus Christ. He knows that there are a tiny group of people believing in Jesus in a Roman empire that will seek to stamp it out by every means at its disposal. And he knows that if they're going to survive, they need to be at peace with one another. Isn't it amazing how things really don't change? We live in a moment in history where increasingly the world around us would love to see us as followers of Jesus Christ disappear. They would love to see the proclamation of the gospel cease. They would love to just be left in contentment of doing whatever they feel like, whenever they feel like it, and they don't want to hear that God has revealed himself in his word and that the only way to be right with him is through faith in Jesus Christ. They just don't want to mess with that. And so they would prefer none of us exist who believe in Jesus Christ. And you know what we're doing with that? We are tearing into one another like there's no tomorrow. The world is trying to kill us, and we're trying to kill each other. And the question is, have we not read the New Testament? Here, Paul is saying that a product of following Jesus and having the Spirit in us is that we exhibit peace, peace with God, peace with one another. Uh, Let's look at a few passages together. Ephesians chapter 4. Uh, Verse 1 through 3, I have so many tabs in my Bible, I can't find them all. (laughs) Ephesians chapter 4, verse 1 through 3, Paul there writes to the church in Ephesus, I therefore, prisoner of the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. For there is one body and one spirit, just as you were called to one hope that belongs to your call. Do you love it? It sounds so similar to what he's telling the Galatians. I want you to have patience. I want you to have love. I want you to actually have a bond of peace. And how does he say you'll have it? He says the unity of the spirit. Not the unity of our flesh, not the unity of us willing it to be true, not the unity of us ignoring things, but the unity of us allowing the Spirit to work in us because we have peace with God, to have peace with other people. And that we have a bond of peace. I love it. In Hebrews, well, I'm not going to say Paul wrote it, but I think he did. In Hebrews chapter 12. Uh, In chapter 12, we see a very similar thing. I love the way uh, the writer of Hebrews says it in verse 14. He says, strive for peace with everyone and for the holiness without which no one will see the Lord. Strive for peace. Strive for peace. The unity, the bond of peace through the Spirit. Think about it. I like that word strive because I think when somebody annoys me, how much striving do I do to be at peace with them? Have you ever noticed? You know, I don't know. I'm sure you're not like this. I have been like this in the past. I am like this sometimes now. I will probably be like this some in the future. Just saying. Unfortunately, I'm still a work in progress. 
But I'm great with people who are nice. Have you ever noticed that? People compliment you and say nice things about you. And when you ask them to do something, they're like, sure. How much of that do you want? I like those people. I get along with those people extremely well. Right? Don't you? Or I know there are three of you that hate those people. But I love those people. Right? The people who are a little bit more challenging are the people who seem to have an opinion of their own. Have you noticed that? That's very inconvenient. Or people whose schedule was not revolving around my needs, right? That's so annoying. Or, or people who might have a different idea of what we should do about something than I have. I call them elders. And uh, it's, it's okay. We love each other. We're, we work together as a group. They're a great. They really are a great bunch. And I appreciate that. You want it to be like that. Trust me. That's why we have more than one of them, you know. But sometimes when we run into those people, see it different, you know, or they want to do it a different way, uh, we don't strive too much for peace with them, right? We just write them off. I saw a t-shirt this week. I was out uh, shopping with Karen, and I loved it. The t-shirt said, so how do I block you in real life? And uh, I'm like, well, I like that. That's a very friendly shirt. Right, you know, I like that. I, you might as well walk through, a, a, you know, the store with a shirt that says, I clearly have enough friends already, you know, right? Uh, but I, but I kind of chuckle about that. How do I block you in real life? That's the way we are with people when we have any struggle. There's no striving for peace. And yet the Apostle Paul knows the church, the church is not going to be as successful at its mission to extend the good news about Jesus in our community or in this world if we are not doing it together, if we're not working together, if we're not proclaiming to the world those things that we're different on are nothing in comparison to the things that we share in common. That we have peace with God through Jesus. That we were sinners who should have been condemned to hell and he saved us. Is there really anything bigger than that? Eternal damnation? If you're a follower of Jesus, we share that. I mean, it's almost like maybe it would be helpful. I know there are kids in the room and thank you for being in here. And kids, if you say this at school tomorrow, you may get in trouble. Which, of course, the older people in here are now saying he shouldn't say what he's about to say. But maybe it would be helpful when we meet another Christian, if we said, you, you're not going to hell either? M me neither. Because maybe it would put it where we can understand it. The glory of the truth, that in his grace, we have peace with God. You know, C.S. Lewis used to said that friendship, Friendship was when you meet another person and you say, what, you too? You too? You like that? You're interested in that? You know, you enjoy studying about that? He said it's like a shoulder-to-shoulder -shoulder kind of relationship where you're both looking and marveling at the same thing. There is nothing more interesting or better to be studied or more wonderful than us standing shoulder-to-shoulder -shoulder and saying, look at how marvelous the grace of God is in our life. I think the problem is we don't have much unity with one another because we forget the glory of our peace with God. And so Paul wants us to strive for the bond of peace in the Spirit. I love it. Uh, Romans 12, 18, that goes along that, that same line. Where is Romans? There it is. 12, 18. I love this. 
If possible, so far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. Now, I know I talk occasionally about tattoos you should not get. Do not get this one, right? Because people will hold you accountable. You'll be arguing with your server at some restaurant, and they'll look down and say, are you, are you trying to live peaceably with all at this moment in time? So that's a bad one, but it's a good one to remember and take to heart. I can't do anything about that other, how that other person speaks to me or treats me or whether they slight me, but I can ask the Spirit to work in me and through me so that I can be at peace with that person no matter how they act or how they speak. You know, we live in a world now where we justify being angry and at discord with one another. We say, well, it's because they're ignorant. It's because they have the wrong political view. It's because they came to the wrong conclusion about who to vote for. You know, and we say, well, therefore, I don't have to be at peace with those people anymore. And I'm like, is that as far as it's possible? Have you asked the Spirit to help you as far as it's possible be peace with those people? And the answer is most of the time for me, nope. I haven't really given any effort to it at all. They're just annoying. I disagree with them. And I block them as a human being. But Paul says, look, that's not the way where you're going to proclaim the good news that we can be at peace with a God who we have infinitely offended when we write off people who only offend us in the tiniest, most minor ways. It says, as far as it's possible with you, be at peace with all people. And I love it because later in Romans, in Romans chapter 14, uh, Paul gets into this rather interesting conversation about uh, whether you eat certain kinds of foods or don't eat certain kinds of foods. Uh, and I'm going to pick up in verse 17 of Romans chapter 14. Uh, Paul there says, For the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking, which is why Christians were yelling at each other and ostracizing one another and being mean to one another. He says, The kingdom is not about eating and drinking, but of righteousness and peace. And joy in the Holy Spirit. Whoever thus serves Christ is acceptable to God and approved by men. So then let us pursue what makes for peace and mutual upbuilding. What is Paul saying? You've got to realize what is lesser and what is greater. He said, he's talking to these Romans. They're arguing about whether you should eat meats that have been potentially sacrificed in uh, temples to idols, and, and then they're going around, and, and there's a broader conversation about that. But here's the conclusion for Paul. That question isn't more important than your unity in faith in Jesus Christ. You need to get perspective. You need to get perspective. And I love this. If we're going to have the fruit of peace Growing in our lives through the Spirit, we need to look to Him even when we disagree with one another, when we have differences. And this is a blessing. It is a joy. It is something that enables us to express love. It's something that ties these fruit together as we look at them in Galatians 4. So, how you doing? Yeah, is everybody doing 100 on their scorecard at this point in time? No? Yeah, me neither. Right? In other words, I'm holding up the ideal that the Bible holds up. And I'm saying to us as a body of Christians, that are, do we have any desire to trust the Spirit to work in us so that we can see incrementally more peace in our relationships with one another? Or that we can see our appreciation for what 
God has done for us in Jesus Christ in terms of having peace with him grow incrementally. I'm not asking us, I'm not asking me to get all the way to the end of perfection in terms of how we treat one another. I'm just saying, can we at least repent when we don't do it and step out in faith whenever we get in the middle of that disagreement? Can we, can we stop letting the resentments and unforgivenesses grow and linger and become more putrid over time? And can we just say, I'm sorry that I have not pursued peace with you. Can you forgive me? Even if that person did something that actually offended you, can I actually own what I can own? That while they may have offended me, boy, I have harbored resentment like a big dog. And that's wrong. I am not striving to live at peace. I am enjoying just a little bit the lack of peace that we enjoyed. You know, I learned years ago that there's a strange psychological reason we do that. Why we refuse to try to be reconciled to those that we are in discord with is because by doing so, we actually feel like it gives us a semblance of control over that other person. It's a, it's a strange thing that happens in our mind. Think about it. If you refuse to forgive someone, you say, I'm gonna show them, I'm not gonna forgive them. And in your mind, you're thinking, I'm controlling that person. That person's probably having a miserable time because I haven't forgiven them. You know, they're probably having a terrible life. They're really unaware of it, just as a side note. But in our mind, you're like, I'm not going to forgive them. That'd be too easy for them. And so we think we're withholding something from them. Like we're, we're you know, somehow bringing some justice in the world by being unforgiving towards them. And you know what's really happening? They completely control you. Have you ever noticed that? somebody you refuse to be at peace with, you have a resentment that you're holding against that person, all they have to do is pop up on your Facebook feed and you can feel your blood pressure go up. All they have to do is walk in the back door of church. I know you people. I know there's some of you that are going through this with one another. You just see them walk down and you're like, how dare they sit close to the front given what they've done to me. And you know what? You've been taken out of worship just because they showed up. It doesn't seem like you're controlling them. It seems like they're controlling you. And you know why? Because you're working against the Spirit's work in your own life by holding on to that unforgiveness. You're saying, Spirit, I don't need your help on this one. And let me tell you, brother, sister, you need his help with everything. You need his help with everything. How about, how about today? If there's somebody here that's been holding on to a grudge against somebody else in this church or somebody in your family, how about you go home and begin praying, Lord, help me forgive that person. Help me accept the cost of whatever they said or whatever they did. Help me accept that and trust you with it and give me love for that person. And I say begin doing it because if you've been holding a grudge for a while, it's going to take a while. And I need you to keep praying that because it's going to come back up when they walk in the door, when you see them on Facebook. You're going to be like, oh, how dare they say they had a good, good time at that restaurant. They should be suffering. Lord, forgive me for being unforgiving. Please help me love that person. Start praying for the good of that person. Why? Because I'm going to strive to live peaceably with all people. Why is this so important to me? Why am I hearkening on this? One, because I want you to have joy. I want you to express love. I want you to know peace. And until we're trusting the Holy Spirit to do that work in us, we are going to have a diminished version of those things, and I want you to have it to the fullest. Speaking of which... Jesus wants us to have it as well. And John, I said earlier in this series, we could have just done the fruit of the Spirit in the upper room discourse on the last night of Jesus' life. And it's true because so far we're three for three going back to it. In John chapter 14, 
I love what Jesus is saying. Jesus is not talking about how we get peace with God or how we have peace with one another. He's talking about a different kind of peace here in John chapter 14. And it's a peace from God. It's a peace from God. Listen to what he says in John 14, beginning in verse 27. He says, peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give it to you. Let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. I love that. Jesus here is saying, look, I'm going to give you a different kind of peace. I'm going to give you my peace. I'm going to give you my peace. What does that mean? It means that Jesus is saying, because if you look at the whole upper room discourse, he's going to put his spirit into the hearts of those who love him and believe in him. And they're going to experience, in a way, an almost irrational peace. A peace that is still there even when you're tempted to be afraid. Do you notice the contrast? Peace I give to you, not as the world gives uh, to you, I give to you. Let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. He's saying, through the spirit that I'm going to give you, I'm going to give you my peace. You'll have my peace. Now, I want you to just consider for a second. If you are the sovereign God of the universe through whom all things were made, which is what we're told about Jesus, that you're okay with the world because you made it. And through him, all things are sustained, so you sustain it. In other words, if you're Jesus, there is nothing that is out of your control. There is nothing that you can't do something about. There is nothing that happens by surprise. You want to talk about having peace? I think that's the ultimate level of peace you could have. That you know exactly what's happening, why it's happening, when it's happening. And Jesus says, that's my peace. A knowledge that all is right in the world that God has made. He says, that's my peace. I'm going to give it to you. I'm going to give you that kind of peace. I'm going to give you a world-creating kind of peace. It's almost mind-numbing. And he says, look, when you're afraid, because he knows they're going to be afraid, in just a few hours he's going to be arrested, tortured, and killed. They're going to be very afraid. He says, I want you to remember, I'm giving you my peace. I know that that's going to happen. I know what it's for. I'm accomplishing exactly what I intend, and I want you to know that too. And isn't that interesting? I think too often, this is called the idea of providence. God's holy, wise, and righteous governing of all creatures and all of their actions. That God is in control. Jesus knows that God is perfectly in control no matter what the circumstances. There is a peace of God that comes when we recognize not only that he is in control, but that he also loves us perfectly. And then I can be okay. The title of this sermon is Peace, All Must Be Well. And that's from an old hymn. And the hymn talks about different circumstances in our life. Good circumstances, bad circumstances, uh, health, uh, health issues, sickness, and even death. And yet the songwriter continues to say, but yet all must be well. All must be well. Why? Because you are never outside of God's perfect plan for you. And when we have the peace of God... When we have the peace of God, we know I may not like this, I may not enjoy this, I may not be glad for this in this particular moment, but I know it's part of God's plan, which takes us all the way back to where we began in Romans chapter 5, verse 1. It is because we have peace with God through faith in Jesus Christ that we can have hope in suffering. Why? Because we have the peace of God in our lives. The peace that says it's all okay. I love it. I think that Paul in Philippians 
uh, chapter 4, verse 6 through 7, which we also heard already today. Thank you, team, for working together. We see this working itself out. Listen to what Paul says there. He says, do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God, and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. I love it. Uh, I know I quote Pastor Tim Keller from Manhattan uh, a lot, but I love what he says about this text. He says, notice it doesn't say, wait till God answers your prayer, and then you'll have the peace of God. You have the peace of God before he answers the prayer. Why is that? Notice he says that we, we're not anxious, but we let God know in, in prayer and supplication with thanksgiving your request be known to God. He says, why am I, why am I thanking God? I love it. Tim, Tim said, well, we thank God because we know if we knew everything he knew about the situation for which we are praying, we would want it, that prayer to be answered exactly like God answers it. And so we can thank him ahead of time. I'm presenting this thing I'm anxious about. It's bothering me. I have a lack of peace in my heart. I don't know that I'm experiencing the peace of God in a demonstrable way. But I'm going to let you know what I'm worrying about, Lord. But I'm going to thank you because I know that you're going to handle it in the most perfect way. And if I knew everything you knew, I would say, please do it this way. And so I can give thanksgiving. And then he says, the peace of God which passes understanding. It becomes a part of my reality. It becomes a part of my experience. Why? Because I have placed myself again in faith in the hands of the perfect love and providence of God. It's okay, Lord. I know that you love me and have a perfect plan for me because of Jesus Christ. And then I can experience the peace of God. This is the peace that allowed Christians to go to stakes where they were burned alive. This is the peace that enabled Christians to face the wild beasts. This is the peace of God that allowed Christians to stand up for their faith when the world was trying to destroy it. This is the peace of God that will enable us to endure the slings and arrows and persecutions of this world and still do it with a smile on our face because we know those things are not outside the control of God. Wouldn't it be great if we actually acted like we believed God was in control of the situation? Just side note, he is in control of the situation. It's just many of us don't enjoy that truth very much. We don't experience the peace of God. To be honest, in my situation, it's because I'm still trying to control things my way. <laughs> it's kind of like me watching a ball game. I sort of have an outcome that I'm rooting for. And when it doesn't, when it doesn't go the way I want it, then I get disappointed. Can you believe my team lost? You know, you know it's not my team. It's not my team. Have you ever noticed that? I know there's some of you who had a letdown last night. That's okay. It's, you were fans for four weeks. That's great. It happens, right? Pick your team. I'm not naming any, right? It's big cow. I don't know what that thing is called. But. but it's not your team. And this isn't our world. It's God's. And he's got it under control. May God enable us through his spirit to grow in peace. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we love you and thank you. For your kindness to us, you're so patient with us. Lord, we strike out on our own, determined to have things our way, to 
make other people be the way we want them to be, to try to earn your, your, your pleasure and satisfaction with us. And it is hitting a brick wall over and over. But we keep trying. And there is no peace. There's no peace in our hearts. Help us, Lord, to start with the marvelous, life-changing realization that you offer us to have peace with you through faith in Christ. May we cling to him in faith. And may we continue to grow in our awareness of what that means about our security and loveness with you. And Lord, may your spirit help us to be quick repenters and forgivers because we are striving to be at peace with one another so that we might reflect the saving power of Christ in our midst to this world who experiences no peace. And, oh, Lord, I pray that you will help us move through your spirit into that place where, regardless of our circumstance, that we can say, it is well with my soul. We pray in Christ's name. Amen.